This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. Hi, I'm Ward Camp. I'm president of Northwood Retail based in Dallas, Texas. Um, what I love about retail is just the evolution, the constant evolution of retail. You know, we've seen it. Um, I think we understand it. I think a lot of people miss, you know, around retail, just the overarching theme is demographics and, you know, job growth, et cetera. But we really focus on, we don't just look at demographics, but if you look at the U.S., you know, we do have this aging population, the boomers that have a lot of disposable income. You know, we have Gen Y, Gen Z and the millennials. And so if you look at, you know, the evolution of, of retail, you know, I started in the mall world. Um, and for the last, you know, 35 years up until about 2015, that was an incredible industry. But I think, you know, what's happened over the last 20 years with e-commerce um, and the omni-channel of retail, I think, you know, and then food and experiences really replacing the department stores as an anchor. The business is transformative. We're at the tip of the spear of the consumer. If 70% of GDP is consumption, if you think about retail, we're kind of at the tip of the spear. So that's what I love about it. I think we understand it. A lot of people know how to finance it. A lot of people understand architecture. But I think we truly understand what makes retail great. And I think what makes retail great is thinking about content and context, meaning you can have 250,000 feet of of retail with the right restaurants, the right retailers. You can have grocery mixed with food, mixed with fashion versus a million and a half square foot mega mall. So I think it's, I think it can come in different formats. Each market's different, each market's unique. I do think the one thing about retail is people tried to homogenize it and that's where we ran into problems. So I think we're in the process of de-homogenizing retail and there's some very, very exciting trends that I think, you know, have been occurring really since about 2010 um, with some of the digitally native tenants or direct to consumer tenants in food. So that's what I love about retail. From New York City, you're listening to Retail is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the retail industry. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the show. Welcome to Retail is Your Business. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Rako, and very fortunately for me, st staring at me through her digital window screen is, I don't know what that is, So through the screen is Rebecca Fitz. Hi, Rebecca. Hello, Mark. Happy holidays. I think it's, yes. it's time to say that. I know. It's, it, it's absolutely getting to be that. Um, I uh, Did you see that great commercial with uh, Steve Carell? Uh, playing Santa Claus. If you haven't checked it out, Google uh, Steve Carell Santa. It's one of the most beautiful commercials about um, connecting with customers, and it's it's not even selling anything. It's just like here's a beautiful idea. It's like when um, Coke did the "I want to buy the world a Coke" and the 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 piece uh, singing on the top of a hill. It's kind of yeah. that same feeling where it's just not even saying buy this thing. It's just like. Everybody be good to each other. Here's what really matters. So, Amazing. Uh, I, I, I have not seen it, but I will Google it for sure. Yeah, I suggest that. Anyway, I don't know what made, you said the holidays. That, that just kind of kind of made me think of it. Anyway, uh, joining uh, us and someone who knows uh, quite a 
quite a bit about retail is Mr. Ward Camp uh, from Northwood Retail. Uh, Ward, uh, you are a uh, a man whose uh, uh, legendary status precedes him. And I should say you are more colorfully dressed than we are right now. Uh, both Rebecca and I are muted tones, and you have this incredible multicolored scarf on around your neck or kerchief or whatever. And it just... You're you're the most fashionable one of us all by far today. Let me tell you. Anyway, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, Mark. Thank you, Rebecca. Thanks for your time. Uh, we'll How, get to this and the personal stuff, but I wonder if you're a shopper. Uh, it's part of it's part of being in the industry. It's it, a little bit of a downfall. People ask me, but you know, it doubles as this. Oh, I was so. gonna. Oh, I, that's what mask I thought. Is a mask. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yesterday, a guy said, "Where'd you get that?" And I said, "I saw a guy in L.A. and I called the hotel. It was in Colorado." So yeah, it's. Uh, it's, you know, people have asked, you know, but, you know, we are in a world of, of safety and precaution. And so, um, you know, instead of having to always grab, you know, I keep a mask, but when I don't have it, I just roll it up and, you know, I feel like I'm doing my part. So. Absolutely. All right. Well, welcome to the show. We're really glad to have you. Uh, Ward, maybe maybe uh, I could just lead off with this question and I'm, I'm going to kind of turn the baton over to Rebecca and just let her handle this one. This is this is her corner of the world for sure. Uh, but Ward, I, I just want to get a quick question in here Edgewise, How has your job changed in the last six months? We're going to get our COVID question out of the way here. Uh, there's always one. There's always one. So <laughs> How would you describe how your job has changed in the last six or eight months? You know, I think leadership comes out of out of crises. So I think, you know, immediately we organized a call um, March 2nd. Um, I was in North Carolina. And so I think you, you, you really get to see who the leaders are. And you've got to think about, first, about protecting your employees, What's right for the retail? What should you do or not do? You know, there was discussion when the malls were closing. Should we close? No, we're, we're in the open air space. A lot of our centers have grocery. Um, so there was a lot of thought about our team, about the customer, and then about our retailers, obviously. Um, and so I think, and then more importantly, you know, what do I do on a daily basis? And I think there's nothing, you know, I was here alone. I was here the whole time. It was shut down. I came in every day. Um, one of the reasons we were getting notices, calls, et cetera, I just felt like it was important. You know, we own the center and the office buildings we're in. So I think to, to answer your question, I've done a little bit of everything. You know, I think anybody that during the pandemic that hasn't, you know, it's almost like you do, you're doing stuff you did when you first got in the business. Um, you know, whether it's making sure a letter goes out to, you know, leading people. So you can't be as a leader. I think you have to be thoughtful when asking people, especially when, you know, at the beginning of this, you're touching people's health and wealth at the same time. And I think anytime you pierce those two things, you know, you really have to be delicate and thoughtful about what you do, how you lead and what you ask people to do. Um, and then just be thoughtful about, you know, what's going on in the world and how to get to the other side. So I think, I think, you know, I've done a little bit of everything, you know, whether it's grabbing the mail, sending out notices, scanning things on a fax, to being on the phone with some of the biggest retail CEOs in the country. So it's everything wrapped up in one, but that's leadership. And I think that's, you know, hopefully I've shown that. Um, and at the end of the day, that's most important than just caring for people. And then obviously my family, you know. 
Great answer. We had a gentleman on the show um, who talked a lot about uh, bravery um, and empathy coming from the top. And and it's really the only place that it can come from. Not that your employees don't know, you know, that as well. Um, where he left out was things like, um, and I used to use this line when I was interviewing, I would say, it's anything from calling the New York Times to, to sweeping the floor. And I think people kind of forget that when, you know, they see, see your title. Um, so be beautifully stated. Um, and I'm sure all, all true, by the way. <laughs> I mean, I've been um, doing investor calls at the same time. I'm getting exactly. notices at the front door and there's one person here. So yeah, insecurity. So yeah. you're, yeah. you know, the empathy piece is, is probably the key word though. You know, I've you've got to be that. empathetic. Yep. Yep. And, and people were also worried about um, losing their jobs. Well, let me just set the stage here. Um, just in case anybody doesn't know what Northwood is, you are um, a developer and um, outdoor lifestyle center owner. Am I capturing that in the right bucket? Yeah. So we own, you know, we own assets. We own 11 assets from California to North Carolina. Um, you know, our biggest market's Texas. We own three properties in Dallas, one or two of them are grocery anchor. We own grocery anchored properties as well as big mixed use assets, domain in Northside in Austin, one of our biggest. So we do have a view from California to Texas to the Carolinas. We own centers in Charlotte, Raleigh, and then Kiowa in South Carolina. So we have a view kind of East Coast to West Coast. Um, and so that actually describes what we do. Awesome. You have um, a, a firsthand view and, and also kind of a bird's eye view of um, what's going on with the consumer. And you talked a little bit about this um, in, the, in the beginning of kind of what you love about retail, but um, let, let's dive right in. So I'm in the industry. Um, and one of the first things I did um, for retailers was look and see where can we go? Um, and you have some some optimal places to go. One, open air centers, um, and number two, people wanted to um, you know go go to some of the warmer climates for kind of obvious COVID reasons. Um, but talk to us about what what you're seeing, um, you know, both from um, I think a tenant and a retailer perspective, and also what you're seeing from a consumer perspective. Yeah. So, you know, I'd probably walk back to the beginning of it, you know, when nobody knew, right. You know, so the, we, you know, you asked what I did. I, I would want to walk back because the one thing I love is local tenants because they're really, they have their heart and soul in it. You know, whether it's a restaurant, a local retail store, I've always thought, you know, 15% of your projects are local, but it's 85% of the character, whether it's the great restaurant or the great retailer. And I had some calls the week of PPP when it was coming out that Friday and I personally got on the calls and we had set up teams and I started to hear people, you know, and I could hear it in their voice of optimism, but also not of desperation of just, you know, of, of hope. And so I think, you know, listen, people can fault, you know, the administration or, or, or government for, for coming up with that program, but it was incredibly important for people's survival. And so I think one of the things that I saw was, there was hope, you know, and as we opened up in May, we were one of the first economies to open Dallas. We opened May 1st. By the 15th, um, you know, we could see how things were going to open, how the consumer was coming back, how people were going to eat, how people were shopping. You know, they were a little skeptical on nails, massages, you know, gems were restricted. Movie theaters are obviously, that's a whole separate topic. 
But I think, you know, what we saw at the very beginning was very encouraging here. And then we have a center in Kiowa, South Carolina, that if, if you were to go down there, you would think, you know, other than just restricting people in stores, our restaurants, our grocery store, it's been incredible down there. And it's almost like nothing happened. And so, um, you know, we've seen, and then we own properties in California where it's been very restrictive. And now we're going in, in fact, we were supposed to take a trip to San Francisco, LA, et cetera. And you look at how restrictive they've become and we're going in the holidays. And so, you know, what we've seen is, you know, obviously the lockdowns or the restrictions and as they ease up or we've, the spikes have been down, you know, so we opened in Dallas in May, all things were, you know, we were, we were doing this and all of a sudden June, we had a spike around father's day and we had about a month where things had to calm back down. But the one thing we did see was the tenants from New York city and from the West coast really started to focus on Texas because we were open whether it was Austin or Dallas, also the digital guys could see the sales were coming. You know, this was three, four, five, six, or seven on their, um, you know, in their world of omni-channel. So I think when we saw things open up, the war, you know, the U.S. kind of started looking at Texas, North Carolina, some of the markets we're in, um, less of California, and they've, they've become more important. As far as the consumer, you know, I think the consumers using the digital side, um, you know, along with the physical side, I still think there's things you, you you feel comfortable in going and buying. I think when the spikes come up, it's just natural. You know, I think haircuts, color for women, that was important. You know, what I do feel bad is, you know, I think we've grown big on services in the U.S. and there's some great services, whether it's, you know, medical, health and wellness. And I think that's been a little bit of a struggle um, and, you know, we need to figure out how we get to the other side for that stuff, you know, for those type of businesses, because I think part of retail has become more about services. Um, and then, you know, the other part about retail that's really important that people don't talk about, a big part of retail today is technology. And that's, you know, whether that's getting, you know, as the Apple store, I think we've had it closed twice down in Austin for spikes. It's now reopened you know, the AT&T store, whatever it is around technology, I think that it's a really important part of retail today. Um, and so that's, you know, something that we, you know, people are saying, when's the Apple store opening? I need my phone fixed. And so I think technology has become such a big part of retail, um, whether it's either the omni-channel retailer, DTC retailer, or just traditional retailers trying to pivot. So um, One of the first things you said, I feel a little uh, verklempt over, and you actually said this in your introduction, but I'm going to tie the two together, that um, shopping centers have gotten a little homogenized. And one of the things that makes your centers and I think other centers really special is that local component. Um, and when I was on the leasing side, it was micro fitness, micro that we just we didn't say right. this is an amazing right. local retailer. Right. And um they're, they're, they're saying this about major cities. I obviously feel very protective of New York City that 70% of our, our small businesses may be gone when, you know, we get out of this. So um, I love that the fact that, um, and I had, because I'm on the opposite side of um, 
on the retail side. I also had landlords who certainly were willing to come to the table and wanted to really know what is the status of your PPE and, and how important that is. Um, so it's great to know that you know your your centers are looking out for that, and they really do give character to where wherever they are, the local flavor or or whatever it is, and it doesn't mean they're taking the whole center. So um, I love that. I don't know if you have any examples you want to throw out, but give yeah. give somebody a shout out. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just say around town, you know, around Dallas, I know local retailers that you know I've talked to. Best September, best October, year over year, even better than 2019. We have a tenant here. Um, St. Bernard, we have them here in, in Austin, uh, you know, just, you know, you, you, September and October were incredibly strong, you guys. And so I think that, um, you know, I've talked to local retailers, whether it's jewelry, fashion, and I think locals really winning through this. They know their customer. I think whether it's Instagram, whether it's, you know, they can sell to someone or they'll come in their store, whether somebody's in Palm Springs and sees a unique item you know, that they're selling. I think technology is playing a lot in this, but I think local retail is the winner. I think people are tired of the ubiquity around retail and just, you know, the chains and just, you know, that was all part of demographics, as I just explained. Suburban America grew, grew, grew. And then we started to do this urbanization. And I think the one thing is we kept trying to repeat success over and over and over. And I think what makes retail, I go back to content and context, is finding that really unique retailers or restaurants or services or entertainment, along with the grocery, and kind of mix them. Food, I think food's become incredibly important. So I'd say food, technology are incredibly important to retail. And I think the narrative around soft goods is probably right that we're overstored in that sector. So I think that you know, and, and a lot of it is it had to be reimagined, repurposed, you know, retail did. I'd like you to join me in supporting an extraordinary mission to make arts education real for underserved kids nationwide and help keep the creative connection alive. Look, arts are not a luxury. From the time that kids develop motor skills, they rely on the arts to learn how to communicate. Arts are a great collaborative experience and they teach us how to critically think and empathize and understand the human condition. So Mouth Media is proud to partner with AHA Broadway and support their efforts to help bring these vital services back to schools. With every dollar AHA Broadway raises, they will directly serve the kids of New York and beyond. Please visit ahabroadway.org slash 1000kids. Again, that's ahabroadway.org slash 1000kids. And please contribute anything you can to their crowdfunding effort. There's kind of this idea, I think, that uh, developers or, or landlords um, either might not know that much about technology or omnichannel and that you're really kind of just providing the space. I kind of know the inside dirt um, about Northwood, but I'd love to hear um, it, 
some about how your retailers, whether they were local or not, used omni-channel or technology to pivot. Um, and then number two, you know, how you feel like you're playing a role in that as well, because it, it's certainly a huge, huge, huge theme in, in the retail world. Yes. Yeah, so just talking to your theme, I think that, you know, we understood it. We had a Peloton. We actually, the Wednesday, the world shut down. We stopped international flights, the NBA. We were signing an expansion of a Peloton we have in Austin. And at that particular project, Domain Northside, I believe we have the most of the direct-to-consumer tenants of any one project in the U.S. Um, Austin's a market, obviously, that people look at. Um, but, you know, whether it's Peloton, Casper, Missouri, Away Luggage, we did the third Away Luggage, which you're familiar. Warby, obviously, was the leader. I think we understand, we understood the pivot, but we were having a discussion about Peloton and their expansion and, you know, who's been one of the biggest winners through this was them. You know, you can't even get a bike. So I do think that, I think the omni-channel world, I think there's a total of, and when I say DTC, I want to, or digitally native, I want to be just explained to the, to the audience. It's really just direct to consumer or digitally native means you were born online. And you know that well, but I just want to be clear about what we're talking about. And I think that, I think that people were able to reach people they weren't ordinarily able to reach people through this because people have been stuck in their homes. I do think people want to consume, um, but they want to, you know, I think that a lot of it, a lot of the DTC guys or a lot of the guys that have pivoted, you know, they think about sustainability. I do think the consumer is thinking about a, a purposeful purchase, if that makes sense. Like people are thinking about what they're buying. And I think technology's just brought that to light. And I think that, you know, people, this was occurring pre-pandemic, though. You look at, you know, we have a Nordstrom there, you know, curbside delivery. We had restaurants. Think about DoorDash. We wouldn't have gotten through the p pandemic had we not had DoorDash, Uber Eats, et cetera, you know, already in place. Or we had curbside retail already in place. So I think the fact we had technology and we had these new sets of tenants, I think, allowed us to have the ability to keep centers open, whereas the traditional mall or the traditional retail center, big box center, probably struggled a little bit during the pandemic. It's so interesting. Years ago, I worked for GGP and um, Sandeep, who was the CEO at the time, really wanted to focus on um, the, the tenant-landlord relationship changing, which has been an evolution, um, but also on making malls more omni-channel. And it was it was a really it was an uphill battle. I don't know if it necessarily came naturally, but I think the time and the pandemic have certainly pushed those two um, closer and closer together. Something um, that I think retailers, uh, tenants, landlords, everyone is interested in, and you two, you. you do an uh, extraordinary job on um, is merchandising. So um, we're referring to that as, you know, your box of boxes, where do you put everyone? Um, so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. Um, and, and, you know, again, um, mistakes you've made, what you've learned, um, maybe, maybe some um, words of wisdom on merchandising a property. It, it is, it is not easy. And I will say that from, from both sides of the fence. Yeah, I think, you know, what surprised us, you know, so in 20, in 2007, probably around 10, 2009 or 10, you know, we had this 
Apple store that was just starting to do these extraordinary volumes. And I think, you know, the one thing is we thought it just, it, first of all, we know it drives traffic, right? If you have a center with Apple, it's extremely important. What we didn't realize is how it was changing retail. And when I say that, you think about the ecosystem around, you know, the iPad cover, the iPod, you know, thing that you can buy now, the incredible amount of effect it's had on fashion. And when I say that, I mean Louis Vuitton, Hermes, all these guys, whether it was an iPad cover, you know, an iPhone cover, think about that, how, the play that that one tenant had on all these different fashion brands. So I think when you're thinking about when you have a center with Apple, you know, about the ability to merchandise around or the tenants that want to be around it, um, it's incredibly, incredibly powerful. And so I think when we think about mix, I do think we like to think about the first to the market, you know, if, it, if it's Austin or Dallas, um, you know, where these, these retailers are coming in. We, we love first to the market tenants. Again, we love the local, you know, best, you know, whether it's best hair salon, you know, that we have, um, best day spa. We still love those guys to make it a full day. And I think when you think about these centers, you've got to activate them, you know, at five or six in the morning, whether it's a core power yoga or an orange theory or a soul cycle, which we have. Um, and then you've got to have the great coffee place, whether it's local or it's Starbucks. And then, you know, throughout the day, you've got to layer it with food. Um, and, you know, you've got to appeal to all people. And I think, you know, whether it's the young professional, the millennial, whether it's the tennis mom, you know, the worker during the day, I think that's something you've got to think about um, when you're merchandising the center. And I think it's market by market. I think you've got to think when you go into a market, Sometimes local guys miss what's missing. And when I say that, they're too close to it. And so you just go in and you naturally say, you know, what is this market missing? And then I think the ultimate goal, Rebecca, is you've got to serve the community you're in. You know, you can't, you, you can't underserve them. And I don't think you can overserve them. And you've got to place make. You've got to make a place that, that feels warm. And I think I go back to content and context. And it's just kind of a, it's kind of art, part art, part science. Um, it's tough financially sometimes to do that. You know, as someone who does work with businesses and and does uh, play a, a role in creating content that moves the needle and engages consumers and helps convert uh, for businesses, I'm really interested to know what kind of content you see as useful uh, to accomplish that for you. Uh, what what have you seen for yourself that you're like, we need to do more of that? From 2017 on as a necessity asset class. And so, you know, the one thing I point to is, you know, having grocery, whether it's mixed use or around retail, it's incredibly important to drive traffic and will be. And the one, you know, the one thing that people miss about retail being transformed and that, you know, whether it's food, you know, it's working with some of the best food operators or the best locals. I, I, I always say, you know, we need to look for that. But I think grocery was a business that was very stale and very archaic. And people missed the one point that was really, really transformational. And I think it allowed us as a, as a you know, as a country, because if you look at other countries, online purchase of groceries much higher. You look at, you know, 
South Korea, it's like 26%. UK is like 9%. We were like 3%. But Amazon buying Whole Foods, you guys, was huge. It was a very, grocery was a very archaic business. It was run very sloppy and it allowed everyone to strengthen. And so I think everybody, when it happens, like, they're just going to turn it in. And what, whether you feel positive or negative about Amazon and Whole Foods, it helped all grocers, in my opinion, to really up their game and think about, you know, the digitalization, curbside pickup, um, and how we distribute food, which is really, really important. So, you know, to answer your question, Mark, I think a lot of it's, you know, we like grocery anchor, you know, whether it's mixed use or, or just open air grocery anchor retail. I mean, I think it's incredibly important to, you know, in mixing food, locals, nationals, digital tenants. Um, and then it, the one thing I would really tell you that we're paying a lot of attention to, to, to answer your question, is the rise of the EV. And when I say the electric vehicle, you know, we see it firsthand in Austin. And I think everybody thought Tesla was this outlier concept and there was nothing to it. But I can tell you, whether it's Rivian, Polestar, Lucid, these guys, that may be the most explosive part of retail that's happening right now. And rather than having car lots, they're going into shopping centers. And I, th I cannot emphasize how big this market's going to be and how transformative it's going to be to retail going forward. And we're seeing it firsthand, you know, whether it's through tours or deals we're doing or we're touring, you know, the first store in the country. Um, we were in, you know, we toured Lucid store um, in L.A. back, I think, in August. So it's, it's very, very transformative. And then you look at policy and how we go forward. Can you can you can you unpack that a little bit? Can you uh, why why is it transformative for those that are not plugged in? I think that's where the world is going. I think you know. Listen, I think that it's. Um, I think it's incredibly energy efficient. You know, I think there's a whole thing that we can debate climate, um, but I think it's I think it's really really important that people understand it's happening whether. You know, you're in a state that's going to mandate it or people are just like it. And I also think the cars that are being made are incredibly, incredibly well made. I mean, and I think traditional car makers, you know, are trying to dip their toe into it. And I think the people that are doing this are just brilliant. You know, you look at guys like Elon Musk. I mean, they are next level brilliant. And so, you know, in every industry you look at it, we have disruption, but that's Right now, I would tell you it's the biggest trend I see out there and probably one of the most transformational things. Other than owning a house, most people own a car um, or use some type of transportation. So I do think it's a trend that we've seen over the last nine to 12 months and really over the last six months. It's really, really going to be big and very transformational going forward. You know, And I think you know, over the next five years, I will own either a hybrid or some type of electric car. So I think this goes to the, the content and the community. I, I, I'm getting it, I think, a little more than you are, Mark, and I don't mean that in 
getting it, but um, Lucid Motors is going into lots of different properties and they're a wanted, uh, one and they're a wanted item by consumers. Whether you're going to buy yeah. one or not, you go in and dream. I don't know if it's the next Apple It's bringing traffic. Is that what you're saying? I, absolutely. No and then as far as, co- yes, exactly. Yeah. And as far as co-tenancy, if you said, hey, Rebecca, I've got a space next to you. It happens to be next to Lucid Motors, uh, not Apple or not Warby or whatever. I'd probably go, awesome put put me in there you know I'm, i think i can make almost any category fit into that because mark to your point i think there's um there's foot traffic and then to the much bigger macro picture it's it's the way it's the way of the world thank goodness by the way so that we can all live on this planet for you know 20 more years mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, not, not to sound is, too dark yeah yeah the other thing i would <laughs> tell you is you know we're here in texas and you know we we still need energy but we need what we need to be doing is being thoughtful around it. But more importantly, you know, from the technology side, we were amazed at how many tenants now look at Peloton as a co-tenant and want to be near Peloton. That's a big change that's happened over the last 12 months, six months. So, you know, just like Apple's been a big co-tenant, Warby's been a huge co-tenant. I mean, there, I would say it goes Apple, Warby, you know, Whole Foods, and then probably people look are starting to look for Peloton. So let me ask you a question about that release that I'd never thought of before. So in, in with full respect to the power of physical retail into the future, um, you know, I don't think it's a secret that there's been a surge of e-commerce and those that have discovered e-commerce, if not, if nothing else than through the pandemic or strengthen their relationship with e-commerce may not return back to physical retail with the same strength and frequency they had before, because Oh, hey, this is pretty neat. Maybe I'll just do this. We just know that's true. My question is, the degree to which the existence of, say, an anchor store or or, or, or a car dealership or whatever to create foot traffic, therefore a kind of um, uh, um, accidental referral process, if you will, uh, just by being in the same location as something like that. Uh, you, cause you know, you sell a space in a, in a, you know, there's a, there's a big anchor store in a strip mall, let's say you, you, you're, you're, you know, that's part of the selling part of being in that, that mall is you've got this big store that brings traffic in, it's going to bring traffic to you. But if less people are coming in there, then less people are coming to you, at least from that store. So my question is, how are people thinking about how they can still benefit from traffic that's going to that big store through e-commerce and types of partnerships that can make sure that you're still benefiting from that store. Um, Sorry, that's convolutedly asked question, but uh, there's got to be an impact on the little guy by less people going into the big guy physically, even if the big guy is still getting the business elsewhere through e-commerce. So, how are we still making use of the traffic coming into e-commerce from the big guys so that the little guy can benefit from that from an e-commerce standpoint also? Is that even something that's thought of or is that a dumb question? No, I think it's an incredibly bright question. You know, there's a couple parts to unpack, you know, in the question you ask. I think the department store is incredibly challenged. It just is, it has been. If you look at 
you know, the demise of the department store just sales wise just happened to occur right at the time Amazon in you know, 99 was kind of the rise of Amazon. The decline of the department store started about 2000. Right? And I think the one thing that we've seen is a lot of brands, and Rebecca can probably speak to this, no longer want to sell through that channel. They want to open their own stores. And so I think we're going to rely less on a department store as an anchor, more on food, more on these better retailers. You know, an Apple can bring, a flagship Apple can bring a million people a year to a center. You know, so, you know, that's what, 3,000 people plus a day. You throw big food on top of it. But you look at tenants like Warby Parker, you look at Lululemon, who we haven't even touched on, and Athleisure as a category and what it's done and how impactful it's been on some of these bigger box retailers. I mean, some of these Lululemon stores are doing you know, 12, 13, 14 million, some are doing 20 million, 25 million. I think the the one thing people miss about some of this new age of retail is how big of volumes they can do, what they can drive, and how productive they are. So the physical part with the e-commerce part, it's incredibly important to have these stores. You're not going to have, you know, 20 stores in a market, you know, three or five, and that's going to define the real estate the retail real estate in each market. And I think that's what's going to be different. It's going to be, you know, to your question, I think there's going to be still, it's still going to be incredibly painful to get right-sized. Um, and you are going to have some of this non-return. We do believe from what we saw in September, October, and what we saw as we opened up, that people do want to get out. We do believe they're, they do want to get out. But I think to your question, I think retail's got to be rethought. And, um, you know, Rebecca, I don't know if you have any more to add to that, but. I think what you're saying as a retailer, I'm not necessarily um, saying, do you have Saks Fifth Avenue as an anchor? You may begin to sell on it in a different way and say, no, but we have Apple as an anchor is how I, I, I'm interpreting it. And that's certainly um, how I feel. It, um, it springboards into another question about um, leasing this day and age and and being a retailer this day and age. So words of wisdom for both. I, I know your number one leasing person and she is in, incredibly special and you've been a, a mentor to her and some things that have come out of her mouth have kind of blown me away as someone who's leasing space. Um, so it's there's some very non-traditional things there. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at your face and you're like, oh God, what is she saying? But I, 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 I think it's worthy yeah. of, uh, yeah. you know, these two sides are always going to have to get together in a changing climate. Um, and certainly, again, you're you're on the front lines of it. So I'd be interested in in um, words of wisdom on, on both sides, if I were a retailer or if I were a leasing person. Well, I think, you know, I think being a big landlord today, you know, that, that war was kind of, or that conquer was kind of done and gone. And so I look at these big, big archaic landlords, and yes, they want to transform the business, but I think being smaller and nimble, being in there, again, we go back to demographics and thoughts and cities that we think, you know, thank God we're in Texas, North Carolina, South Carolina, et cetera, Denver. Um, I think that we, I think it's incredibly important to understand that big was kind of one and what's going to go forward is, you know, it's a, a lot of it's about convenience. A lot of it's about first to the market. 
a lot of it's about working with the best retailers, whether it's local, national, or regional, and kind of having that thought process, you know, again, to kind of programming or thinking, and then the placemaking comes into it. And then what I go back to is, you know, how do you serve the market and how do you make, you know, how do both sides make, you know, how do you make it work on both sides economically? Physical retail is really playing a part, though, of this digital, even during COVID, there are things you need immediately. And, you know, we're seeing, you know, UPS say we're going to limit. And I think it's actually driving people to stores or fulfillments being fulfilled out of stores. We saw that through the pandemic, several stores in our portfolio that were actually fulfilling out of the, out of the physical retail store. So I think there's going to be an opportunity for both, um, you know, on the leasing side, again, I go back to being nimble, and also just having a view from specialty retail, I kind of break it into two parts, great food, specialty retail, specialty food, and then there's commodity retail. And I think commodity retail gets trickier and legacy retail kind of being more in the, the mall. So, you know, kind of putting what you were just talking about together with what we were talking about immediately prior related to the e-commerce and so forth, is there any validity in the idea of maybe the need of the landlord or leasing agent to change as we go to just realize the reality of the e-commerce presence and to build into the process of leasing physical space to play more of a role as a true strategic partner in the success of that business in a way that would include and incorporate supporting their e-commerce business as well. Uh, and and therefore, just realizing that we just need we need to be more than a provider of space and a bringer of traffic to that space, but instead be a much more let's call it omni business partner. Um, and so that becomes part of the attraction of leasing that space is not just here's a great space, here's uh, the traffic we can bring there. Here's the price, but also we're a partner in helping to drive your e-commerce business and support that too. Is that is is that is that in the the idea map right now? Yeah, you know, I think again, it's a it's it's you know it's a formula, you know, and I, like I said, I think we think the four walls of some of these retailers are incre- are incredibly more profitable today because of the technology side of it. So it's really, you know, we're both trying to figure out how to move forward. And, you know, is it through, you know, the landlord capturing some of the online sales because they have the physical real estate that's gone back and forth, back and forth. There's been no major breakthrough, but, you know, having been on the landlord side, Rebecca, you've seen the ask. um, And the question becomes, you know, does that become a bigger conversation going forward? Because we're going to have less retail. It'll be more thoughtful. And I do think there's uh, there may be an opportunity to where you look at it more in partnership. Um, but I, I don't think, you know, I do think it's going to be the right asset in the right market. And I think we're going to identify that as a lot less and it's going to be very unique and special. And so I think, you know, whether it's street, whether it's open air, whether it's grocery anchor, whether it's the one dominant mall, I think it's it's going to have to be thought out. Um, you know, we're not all the way through this. I keep telling everybody we need to get really the goals to get to 2022. 
um, for certainly to the back half of 2021 um, and, and set yourself up for 2022. So I think until we fully get there, I think that's when we'll be able to maybe address the point um, or the question that you have. But we need to, I think we're still trying to all figure our way through it. And I think it's a little early to, to know that for sure. I, I didn't mean to sound like I was pushing e-commerce as much as just if there's an elephant in the room, do we try to work, walk around it or we try to play with it? You know what I mean? That's kind of where I was I was thinking. But your point is well taken. Yeah, I would just say, you know, I think retail, you know, as a whole was has been somewhat maligned because of, you know, listen, what's happened is real. But there's a lot of legacy retail that was very archaic didn't, you know, wasn't pivoting, wasn't moving in the right direction. I mean, you know, you look at what Walmart's done just as a mass player is incredible. You look at what Target's done as a mass player through technology, you know, through their curbside pickup, et cetera. I mean, some of these guys, you know, and more of the commodity side to fight, you know, against e-commerce. So what I would say is if, if, if your retail's well thought out, again, kind of well-rounded, and you really think about how you're going to merchandise to the market you're in, I think, you know, more times than not, and you think about square footage and size, I think that retail, there's still a place for physical retail. I think it's incredibly important to serve. Um, convenience is a big part of it. But I do think on a go-forward basis, I think a lot of the headlines are, are rightfully so around one or two sectors in retail. But if you break it down to, grocery anchor, open air, et cetera, I think it's going to be incredibly important. And then lastly, I would just say food-wise or trend-wise, what I see coming out of this, curbside pickup doesn't go away. You know, at the very beginning of this, I said to you guys, everybody, we need to start on our bigger assets. And everybody's like, whoa, 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 this is temporary. And I'm like, this, this is not going to be temporary. And if anything, we've done more around it. And now there's technology that's starting to play into curbside pickup. But I think it becomes... You know, whether you have 40 or 50 spaces as a large asset or a small asset, I think the way that retailers deliver food, I think patios, they were always in demand kind of going into COVID. I think coming out of it, patios are going to be outdoor dining, heaters, et cetera. You know, we've done that at all of our assets. I think it's going to be incredibly important. And I think the value of, of having a patio is going to be tremendous for the landlords that have them. So I think the way we think about retail um, going forward is going to, again, be more thoughtful, more purposeful. Um, so that's that's kind of what I'd like to, everybody to take away from it. Thank you so much for that, Ward. Uh, all right, let's lighten things up a little bit. Uh, and uh, we're going to move on to Ward as a human uh, right after this with some personal questions. We'll be right back. Every business has at least one big pivotal moment. The moment when you say, okay, we're at this turning point, so then what? I'm Lahari Neil Peretti, founder of LN Accounting Advisor. I hope you'll join me each week on my podcast, Then What? As we talk with successful business leaders who push past their business's biggest then what moments and succeed in an even bigger way because of effective leadership and solid business practices. It's inspiring and deeply useful information for any entrepreneur. Subscribe to Then What 
on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find the best podcasts. All right, Ward, uh, this is where we get to know you even better, even better. Although I think just with that scarf alone, I feel like we've got a good, good, good line into you. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I have the suspicion that you, 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 you sport a cowboy hat uh, fairly often. Is that true? No, that's not true. Oh, a baseball I, hat, um, uh, a baseball hat, sure. Beach hat, big beach hat, yeah, but not, okay. not a cowboy hat. The the kerchief is uh, is uh, or the scarf is uh, is is sending me the wrong way here. Yeah, looks nah. too much like you've been fair riding question. a horse. Jackson, fair question. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, all right. So, uh, uh, Rebecca, Rebecca, if you don't mind, I'm gonna I'm gonna just uh, run with this a little bit here. Go for uh, it, Ward. I'd love to know what the soundtrack of your life is. If there was music playing through the movie of your life right now, what's the soundtrack? That's a tough one, but you know, mm-hmm. I think Fleetwood Mac. You know, I saw Stevie oh, Nicks. Yeah. Saw, you know, I think anything that they play, I think they're one of the best. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Stones. Um, I think. Wait, Patty, that, that's a that's a wide range there, yeah. Fleetwood Mac to the Stones, but I think you're you know, allowed. Patty just... was, you know, is always at the top of my list. So uh-huh. if I had to look at it, I'd, I'd probably say anything Tom Petty. I saw Tom Petty play twice and neither time was i like i need to go see tom petty i just sort of got dragged along if you will and i will tell you both times i was just blown away as a performer much less it's so, so such a shame at the loss of him but he was he was a wonderful live performer oh great so i'm glad you got you're such a big fan um so anyway that's cool if uh do you play an instrument or do, are you musical in any way no can't sing, can't play an instrument. I'm jealous. Uh, I'd love to. I'd, if, I'd if love you could, to have been a musician or a rock star. I, I, you know, I don't know that I liked everything that would have come with it, but I would have liked the good, probably not the bad. So, If you could pick up an instrument now, if somehow you said, what the hell, I'm going to try. I've met a good teacher. I'm going to give it a, a, I'm going to give it a couple months and see what happens. What instrument would it be? Drums. Really? Why why the drums? I just think there's something soulful about it. I think there's yeah. there's a beat to it. And I think, you know, I I just think there's a beat and there's a soul. So what what's stopping you from doing that, would you say? You know, um maybe time and just yeah. laziness, to be honest yeah. with you. Well, Ward, I've just met you today. I'm very glad that I have. And maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm out of line doing so, but I would like to challenge you personally. This is not because we're like on the show and it's public. I'm just human to human. I want to challenge you, um, and you don't have to accept the challenge. But by the end of January, all you have to do, you got almost two months to do this, but you will commit to yourself that you will have properly researched a drum kit even if it's just an electronic drum kit so that it doesn't bother people in your home or whatever you don't have to buy it yet but you will have researched and figure out the one you're gonna buy if you did buy one that's just a baby step that's my challenge human to human for you there's no harm there's no money spent but it gets you closer to executing a a a baby dream of yours if you will it's fair 
It's a yeah, wonderful it's idea. Ta- taking Ch- a note on it. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. Yes. Yes. I, I admire that, sir. Thank you. Uh-huh. I can't wait. Listen, if you, I pr- I will tell you this. Uh, I'm going to commit to this. If you decide that you're going to purchase a drum kit, even if it's just a basic electronic drum kit, I will personally hook you up with a great drum teacher at my personal expense for your first lesson. John's accepted. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm going to leave it in ball in your court. I want you to call me and say, Mark, here's a picture of the drum set I just bought. Where's my teacher? I'll take care of it. Excellent. Fair enough. That's that's a hell of a guy that offers that. Oh, All right. Man, hour ago. Yeah. We're we're we're, we're uh, look at the friendship warden I now have. Look at that. Uh, amazing. <laughs> but by the way, Mark goes goes way deep on these. I'm I'm going to be like the softball questions, per- that's particularly okay. after you You're just up. laid You're down up, the Rebecca. challenge. Well, uh, you kind of stole my thunder. I was going to say what. <laughs> One, what what did you last purchase? Because again, we we talked in the the episode that obviously being around retail, it's a little bit of a a mishap that you turn into a shopper because you're you're in stores and you're seeing what folks have. So what did you buy last? And it can be Kleenex. uh, But um, and then what would you like to buy next? You can't say a drum kit, though, because. Yeah, you you know, um, (laughs) two purchases. I got them both. Wasn't sure I liked them. I bought a flannel shirt at Faraday and I bought a double RL kind of a shirt and I got them in warm, I don't know, Saturday and Sunday. So I was, and I actually got it from a physical store in, in Williamsburg. Excellent. From the double RL store. They, they had it in stock. They called me and the rest was history. So yeah, the last two things I purchased. Very nice. And what's on your list of maybe purchase next? Um, you know, I, I guess the drum set's at the forefront right now. <laughs> I mean, that's the easy I mean, out. End of January. Oh, I love you know, that. I got to move. You know, we're going on the holiday season. You know, it's about others now. I've kind of done everything I needed to do, but, you know, my wife and I talked yesterday and there's some things, people in our lives that we need to do things for that it's been a tougher year and you know we kind of talked about it and are going to move on those this week on those opportunities to help others so it's it's more of it's more about others not about me now so and i and i truly mean that um we we've got some people that need in our lives that have been special and um where we can help out we will um and you know it's we, we all need to do the right thing you know this is about humanity Agreed. And such a nice way to turn that question around because, uh, yes, people are consuming, but there are a lot of folks out there who would like to consume um, but cannot. Um, so, um, and, and we started with happy holidays as well. So I think um, that makes sense. This whole year, by the way, has pr- should, should probably be about giving. Um, so love that answer. You know, it's interesting. I, I participated on Friday with a, a kind of a networking call, if you will, a community call with, I don't know, 30 people, all of them real good connectors and accomplished people. And uh, and everyone at one point in the call uh, had a discussion about um, if they had one word for 2020, kind of where what what was 2020 to them? And the most common thing related to what you just said, Rebecca, was it changed their perspective of what was important in different ways. And I thought that that was really illuminating to me 
I know for me it has, but it was it was illuminating to see how commonly people seem to have felt that, uh, as opposed to it just being ah crappy 2020. There was something that came out of it for them that adjusted even their paradigm of things in life in general. Kind of interesting. So um, anyway, uh, Ward, I would normally would ask if you had any uh, final thought, but I think you just gave us one uh, uh, bef- before we went into the personal questions. I think we're going to stick with that if that's all right. That was a good one. Um, how can people connect with you either directly or or with your brand, uh, if you'd like to share again, our our listeners is a B two B show. Our listeners are typically decision makers and you know um, startup founders and innovators and so forth. So, what would be the best way to connect with you and, and your company? Northwoodretail.com, obviously, is you know our homepage, um, and then just me personally, W Camp at Northwoodretail.com. Love to jump on the phone. I'm a phone guy, um, so. Um, you know, awesome. you know, shoot me in a, a message with a phone number, but I am, I do like to talk to people. I think email is sometimes misconstrued and I think, you know, when you're able to share ideas verbally, yeah. I think it's, it's much more powerful. Agreed. Great. Ward Camp is the man. Northwood Retail is the place and uh, so appreciate and enjoyed your time with us. Thank you very much, Ward. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Rebecca. All right, that's it for this episode of Retail is Your Business, and a very fine one it was, too. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, for Rebecca Fitz. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Ward. Oh, thank, you. thank you, Rebecca. Uh, I'm Mark Rako. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye. This has been Retail is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2020. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, audio for business.